0: John chapter 10. Well there we had it in the pictures. It was Christmas morning. The fire was blazing. The presents were scattered all around the room. The stockings were full. The tree was decorated. The three girls were sitting outside the door waiting to come in. Inside was a place of abundance and there's a door. Well that's what we've got in this passage a place of abundance and a door or a gate. It's the, the third of Jesus' great picture sayings where he says, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. And now he says, I am the gate or I am the door or I am the gateway for the sheep. And he's going to go on in, in a few verses time to say the fourth great picture saying, I am the good shepherd and these these are great visuals they take something from everyday life and or everyday life certainly in the first century and they 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 paint an illustration of what jesus is like as savior time has maybe dulled them a little for us jesus said i'm the bread of life and we've that much food, and food is easily come by that we don't quite get the significance of that and the importance of it and how bread was a, a, the key staple of their diet. Um, I'm the light of the world. Well, we switch on a light, and it's there. We, we don't grasp just how dark things were before the electric light uh, was invented or the gas lamp was invented. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. Now, okay, we've got shepherds in our congregation, um, but this is Ireland in the 21st century, and it's very different from how the original hearers would have heard this in the first century. We've been thinking a little bit about that at our evening service, as we've thought on Psalm 23. And we want to just capture a little this morning In our first point, um, the abundant place, what it was like for there to be a shepherd, for there to be a sheepfold, for the sense of security and safety and provision that that brought. Because here in Ireland, grass isn't scarce. There's entire fields of it that go on for miles and miles. Water isn't in short supply. Safety for sheep is always an issue because you've got dogs and you've got foxes. But in Palestine, you had thieves and robbers. You had wolves. You had bears. You had lions. You had jackals. You had a vast array. You had poisonous snakes. You had all sorts of of dangers on a much grander and greater scale uh, for the sheep. You had dark ravines. Uh, that they had to go through to get from one place of pasture to another. The flash floods could come sweeping down those if you went down them at the wrong time of year. It was a dangerous place, a dangerous thing uh, to be a sheep, and sheep are so vulnerable. Somebody said that uh, sheep are almost proof that evolution can't be true. If evolution is about the survival of the fittest, I had heard The sheep survive if we get here by evolution because they're so vulnerable. They're no, you know, they've no scales, they've no poison, they've no armor, they've no ferocious roar. They're just vulnerable physically. They're, they're, I'm going to say, they're vulnerable mentally. Um, They, they seem to be remarkably stupid animals, and they will, they will wander here, there, and yonder. They will eat stuff that's poisonous. If one of them jumps over an imaginary object, the entire flock, when they come to that, will jump over it too. Well, he did it, so I'm doing it. Um, so these are sheep. Uh, those of us who aren't in the Tate families perhaps have a more romantic view of sheep, but not so. The first century hearer of Jesus would have known much more what... It is like uh, for sheep, um, what they were like, and, and what it would be like for sheep to be without a shepherd. We, we look out in the field and we see fields full of sheep, there they are, and we don't see the shepherd too often. But in the first century world, you would have seen the shepherd with his sheep because it was so dangerous, because he had to guard them, because he had to take them to find pasture, because all the grass would be eaten and they would just stand there. And then the shepherd needed to take them to find somewhere else. The water would be trampled and muddy and they would just be drinking the dirty water and he would need to take them to find fresh water. They needed a shepherd. They needed a sheepfold, a place at night of safety and security. A place uh, where thieves and robbers couldn't get in easily. Where wild animals couldn't attack easily. And this picture that we have here of the sheepfold and the shepherd. A shepherd who knows his flock by name several shepherds would perhaps bring their sheep to the one sheep pen or the one sheepfold, and they would come in and then in the morning whenever they were being taken out the shepherd would call his flock and the, the, the sheep would recognize his voice and his sheep would come out after him. And the other sheep would stay behind and then their shepherd would call them and then they would come out after him. This shepherd, it's not just that the flock know his voice but he knows them each by name. And they come in and they go out, we read, verse uh, 9 and 10, and they find pasture. This is great. If you're a sheep, this is as good as it gets. This is life. As it's meant to be, this is the life. Summed up by Jesus in verse 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the way it should be. The ever- wish that life was as it was meant to be? Do you ever look at others and their life seems to be ticking over nicely and you wish your life was like theirs? Do you look perhaps at what you've done in life or what has been done to you and you think, my life has been messed up by me or for me and this isn't the way it's meant to be I wish I could have a clean slate and start again or do you look at the news and the mess that the world is in and do you feel a burden of it's not meant to be like this all sorts of politicians and ideologies messing up people's lives and you're right, this is not the way it's meant to be. Sin has come in to the world from the time of Adam and Eve and broken the world and messed it up. One day it's going to be fixed. One day it will be made perfect and it will be a place of abundance. We're not quite there yet, but Jesus is saying... In the way that those sheep, when they are with the shepherd, whether they're in the pen at night or out in the pasture during the day or over at the stream, those sheep, because they're with the shepherd and they know the shepherd, are enjoying an abundant life. A life that is full, a life that is the way it's meant to be, even in a broken world. Just as that can be true for the sheep, so it can be true for us if we know the shepherd. We're not yet in heaven. Everything isn't perfect, but we can be in a place where we are living life to the full. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that to become a Christian means that everything is perfect and that there are no sickness and no illness and that you all drive big Mercedes and you all go off to far-flung destinations in your holidays, and your bank accounts are just spilling over with money. That's not what I mean by abundance. It's everything being right because you know the shepherd. a place of abundance. That's what we see here. But how do you get in? How do you get in? To know the shepherd? To be part of the shepherd's flock is to be in a place of abundance. Well, how do you get in? Secondly, the door or the entrance. The entrance. Is there a way into this place of safety? To this place of provision? To this place of rest and peace? This place of feeding and nourishment? This place of cleansing and healing? This place of forgiveness and hope? Is there a way in? Well, when we look at what Jesus says here, when he says, I am the door, or I am the gate, or I am the gateway, we learn three things. We learn that there is a way in. There is a way in. I am the door. How miserable would it be to have our noses pressed against the glass of heaven the window of heaven and to be peering in and for there to be no doorway in. How miserable. Let me read to you a quote from another preacher about heaven. Because sometimes people think heaven is going to be incredibly dull and boring. Not so. It will be life to the full in utter perfection. And here's what he says. Take the deepest enchantment that you have ever known. Take the loftiest ecstasy that you have ever felt. Take the greatest fulfillment you have ever experienced. Take that moment when you felt most totally alive. Think to to that moment when you, you felt, I feel so alive at this moment, whatever it was. Then intensify that instant a million fold. And perhaps you will be getting within range of imagining what heaven is like. Jesus did not come to give us more time to kill. He came to give us more life to live. There's a way in. There's a way into this life of richness. Not just in he- the life of richness in heaven, but the life of of richness and provision and safety here on earth. There is a way in. We don't have to stand with our noses pressed against the glass. There is a way in. If if we were wired for heaven and couldn't get there, that would be a terrible thing. And we are wired. We are wired for eternity, is Ecclesiastes 3, we're told that God has put eternity in our hearts. We know that we're not just here for right now. We have a great sense of injustice, that we look to the future, to all things being made right. We're wired to know that there is something. We kick against the ravages of disease, and the ravages of time, and the ravages of sickness. Because we're wired for something better than this. And Jesus says, there is a way in. The second thing we see, when he says, I am the way, or I am the, the gate, rather. There is one way in. There is only one way in. I am the gate. Not a gate. Not a door. One of many. We live in a world of false gates and doors that open onto a blank wall. I remember reading about somebody uh, who had been doing a job interview and they had been sitting before the panel and they had done a superb interview and they were wanting to exude confidence and they got up uh, and walked away, shook hands, with thank you very much, and walked towards the door and there were two doors and they didn't want to hesitate so they strode confidently, opened one and walked in to a clean- To a cleaning cupboard. The door didn't really lead anywhere. It didn't lead where they thought it was leading. (laughs) What will I do? Will I wait? Well, they all know it's a cleaning cupboard, so I better come out. Um, We live in a world of broken hopes, of false doorways, of gateways that lead to nowhere of counterfeit messiahs, of broken solutions and broken promises. Money says to us, I'll give you the abundant life. I'll give you life to the full. And then recession hits and the door leads to nowhere. Pleasure says, I'll give you life to the full. I'll give you the most experience of life you can have. And then we find that that pleasure that we used to enjoy isn't enough and we need more and the pleasure that we pursue is always one step ahead of us and we never feel full. Drugs and alcohol say to us, I will enable you to experience life to the max and we become slaves to them and they don't serve us, but we serve them. False doors, gateways that open over not into a room of abundance, but doorways that open over a precipice. Politicians, their false promises, the various religions and their do this, do that, do the other, all claiming to be doorways into this place of blessing and richness. And Jesus has come and says, there is only one door. Like the ark that Noah built, there is only one door, one entrance point. He is so forthright as to declare, all others are thieves and robbers. They rob you of your time. They rob you of your money. They rob you of your life. They rob you of your freedom. They rob you of eternity. They're thieves and robbers. They have come only to, Jesus says, to kill and maim and destroy. Steal, to kill and destroy. And Jesus is thinking particularly of the Jewish religious leaders. Chapter 10 follows chapter 9 without really a break. It's the same people that are being spoken to and spoken about. And Jesus is looking at the people who should have been the true shepherds of Israel, and they have misled the flock. They have abused the flock. We see it in their treatment of the man who had been healed, who had been born blind. We see it in their treatment of him. We see their harshness and their cruelty. They throw him out. And that's not just throwing them out of their presence, that's throwing them out of the synagogue. As far as they're concerned, they are damning him to hell forever. They they have nothing to do with God's ways anymore. They're thieves and robbers. And religious leaders who say that there are many ways to God are doors into a blank wall. They rob people of opportunities to come into God's richness, to know God's blessing. Those who say you can come without coming through Jesus are thieves and robbers, seeking to bring God's blessings out over the the wall of the, the sheepfold and hand them out to people without coming through the gate, without coming through Jesus. There is only one way, and it's not by rites or ceremonies, That way, we see, is a person. Jesus said, I am the gate. Now, perhaps as as you come to the next few verses and he says, I am the good shepherd, well, which is it? Are you the gate or are you the shepherd? Which are you? Well, he's maximizing the imagery. He's wanting, whenever they would look at a sheepfold and see the gate that they would think Jesus is like the gate, when he would look at the shepherd, they would say he's like the shepherd but there were times as well when the shepherd was the gate there were times when the one of the, some of these sheepfold maybe didn't have a wooden gate in place and the shepherd when it come to nighttime, the shepherd would lie down across the entranceway to be the barricade to stop the animals coming in that would threaten the sheep and to stop the sheep wandering in their foolish way out to harm, he would lie down across the entrance to be the gate. He would put himself out for their safety. He was the gate. And perhaps that's what Jesus is thinking of here when he says this. But the gate, the way in, is a person. It's not a religious ceremony. It's not baptism It's not confirmation. It's not the the Lord's Supper. It's not church attendance. It's not our religious performance. The way in is Jesus. We have to go to him. We've got to come to a person. And the incredible thing is when we come to him, a person, he acknowledges us as people, as individuals. He knows us each by name. He knows us each by need. He knows his sheep individually. The way in is a person. Christianity is not about a system. It's about a relationship with the living God. To know God is that great blessing. It is the abundant place. And Jesus says, you can know God through me. And then he he issues an invitation. And it's a lovely invitation. Verse 9, I am the gate, whoever enters through me, whoever, whoever, or some versions have it, if anyone enters, anyone, anyone at all, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what's in your past, it doesn't matter how long it took you to cop on, to, to understand that you need Jesus, it doesn't matter. Whoever comes, I will never turn away. Jesus, if anyone comes to me, I will not turn them away. Here he says, whoever enters. Religious leader Nicodemus, he can come in. The woman of dubious morals, who had several husbands, and the man she was living with wasn't her husband. She can come in because she comes to Jesus. The thief on the cross can come in. The rich man, the thief Zacchaeus, uh, the rich thief Zacchaeus, he repents, he can come in. He comes to Jesus. Peter, who betrayed Jesus, who denied him, he can come in. Whoever. What a wondrously wide invitation into this place of richness. And look at how, what he says. Whoever enters, there's the key action. As we thought with the children, we've got to enter. We've got to enter. Some, some people are perhaps like a teenage boy, uh, pacing up and down outside the house of the girl that he fancies hiding behind the, the hedge uh, and, and looking and uh, can't quite summon up the... Courage to go to the door, and there's some people like that with Christianity. They they sort of they wander about and they pace about, and they 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 never get to come in. There are others and they they come and they sit at the door, and they learn all about the door, and they learn about what's on the other side of the door, but they never, they never go through the door. They come to church and they sit in church. They never go through the door. They never put their trust in Jesus, and there are others who admire the door. And they'll tell you that they think very highly of Jesus. And they think that he's a wonderful teacher. And his moral standards were exceptional. But they never go through the door. They, they, they sit and they admire its panelling and its glazing. And they never go through it. The point of the door, the point of the gate is to go in to find safety. To find provision. To find abundance. And if you haven't yet done that, will you do that this morning? Will you come to Jesus and say, I want to come in. I want you to be my shepherd. And that requires us to admit that we are sheep. And we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That we are foolish. That we wander. That we are lost. Have you done that? You come to the one who makes the invitation to you and says, Whoever enters through me will be saved. And that brings us to the promise. The promise. Look at the promise. Now, the promise, as I said earlier, isn't that life will be rosy, the promise isn't that you will have um, a palace to live in and that you will always be healthy and that your bank balance will always be overflowing. There are some Christians who teach that this abundant life of knowing the shepherd means that your bank balance is abundant and that your health is abundant and that life is just overflowing with prosperity. No, that's not what the Bible teaches Look at how Jesus sets out the promise here. Three parts to it. There's salvation. If anyone enters through me, they will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the things that endanger us. Saved from hell. Saved from guilt. Saved from the punishment of sin. Those are our dangers. You come to Jesus. Here this morning, you you, you may be one of Jesus' sheep this morning. Uh, And yet you may wonder, can I be forgiven? Jesus says, if you've come through him, you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. You will be saved. He will not lose any of his sheep. Salvation is promised. But I think there's more to it than that. To be a sheep in the sheep pen was to be safe from many dangers. To be a sheep under Jesus' shepherding means safety in a wider sense too. We still face hardship. The sheep would still face hardship. They still had to be taken through barren places to find pasture. They still had to uh, go through drought-filled places to find water. They still had to go through dark valleys uh, to get to pasture. There were still wild animals whose roars and whose, whose appearance would threaten them and frighten them. But the key thing is the shepherd was there. These are sheep with a shepherd. And although life still had its hardships, there was safety. The shepherd was there. And for those of us who are Christians, our shepherd is here with us. The Desi Maxwell yesterday uh, used this phrase. He said about the, the Psalm 23, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He said this, he said, God, doesn't, it's, God didn't lift me out, but God was with me in it. The shepherd was with me in it. Safety. So know this. Whatever you're going through as a Christian, the shepherd is there with you. No danger can come to you, and I've said that in the, the, the handout, safe from guilt, sin, judgment, and all harm. And I mean that. You might think, well, hold on. Christians get involved in car crashes. Christians get cancer. Christians Get mugged, Christians, harm happens to him. Mark. How can you say all harm? The only things that can happen to us are the things that our shepherd allows. Our shepherd is never off duty. Our shepherd is never asleep. Our shepherd isn't busy over there, so that something happens over here, and he said, Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Our shepherd is the good shepherd, he is all knowing, all powerful, all present. And the only things that can happen to you are the things that he allows for your good. So whoever enters through him, there's safety. The wolf can only harry you to better pasture. The wolf can only drive you closer to the Savior. That's if we're following his voice. We need to make sure we're following the shepherd's voice. If we've wandered off from the shepherd, then, then we're in trouble. But still, even when that's the case, we can cry out for our shepherd and he will come for us and he will rescue us. What it is to have such a shepherd? Salvation. In its biggest sense, in its eternal sense and in its present sense. We are saved from everything that would destroy us. Only what is good for us will happen to us. Now that requires faith to believe it. That requires faith to hang on to that when the hard and difficult things come. To believe that our shepherd didn't drop the ball for a moment to to mix the metaphors completely. Or take his eye off the ball. But no, it means salvation. It means freedom. They will go in, come out and find pasture. There's the shepherd and he takes the sheep off to here to find pasture. He takes them over there to find water. He brings them back whenever they need to rest. He's there and they know his care. They know his provision and they know that there's freedom under that. They don't they're not they're not bound by fear, they're not bound by anxiety, they're not worried about what'll happen if 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 I if I go out, if I go outside of the sheepfold, what'll happen to oh, the shepherd's there? And we don't need to live life in fear. We don't need to live life fearing that we're wasting our lives if we're living under the shepherd's instruction. He's there with us. And we can seek to serve him in all sorts of ways. Knowing that he is with his people. And there's times we need to to retreat back to the sheep pen for safety and refuge when we're afraid. And he's there with us. And there's times that he's nourished us and fed us. And we're going out and we're talking to people. And we're living the Christian life out there. and, and, And he's there with us and he's strengthening us. He's equipping us. There's a freedom To go where the shepherd takes us. Where the shepherd would have us live. Where the shepherd would have us feed. And then there's provision. They will go in and come out and find pasture. This is what we need. We need to be fed. And our shepherd says, I'll feed you. Whatever you need to live, I'll provide it. You need strength. Do you need hope? Do you need a reassurance of forgiveness? Do you need grace? Do you need spiritual nourishment? I will feed you, the shepherd says. Do you need hope to keep on believing that God will work in your, your family, in your circumstances? I will feed you, the shepherd says. Are you fearful? And the shepherd says, I will feed you promises from my word. Are you Struggling with a sense of insignificance? The shepherd says, I will feed you with an assurance of my love for you and my Father's love for you. Are you struggling with a sense of despair? The shepherd says, I'll feed you hope. Struggling with a a sense of, well, I'm really struggling with temptation. The shepherd says, I will feed you what you need to grow and to resist that temptation and to grow in godliness. We have a shepherd who promises to provide for his people. There is no need that you can have that the shepherd will not supply if it's for your good. Sometimes sheep eat weeds that are poisonous. They look nice. But they're poisonous. And sometimes we want things that look nice, but our shepherd knows that wouldn't be good for you. He'll not supply it. But there is no need that we can have that would be good for us to have, that would be for our spiritual welfare that our shepherd will not supply. We will go in and go out and find pasture. though The Lord is my shepherd. And the consequence of that is I will not be in want. I will lack no good thing. Is that not the life that we want? This side of heaven where there's so much danger, we can have safety. This side of heaven where there is so much need, we can have a shepherd who not only guards us but who provides for us. He knows you by name and he knows you by need. It's Christmas morning. Here's the place of abundance. Here's knowing God. Here's the the way life in this broken world should be at its best. Here's the door. Two questions. One, are you going to go in? If you haven't done so, are you going to go in? And if you have done so, have you gone in? But here's your question. Have you unwrapped the presence? We have a shepherd. Sometimes we forget to listen to his voice, to remember his protection, and to look for his provision. Let's pray.